Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Join me in the book of Joshua, chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 5. While you're finding that, what a what a powerful presence of God that we felt here Sunday. An awesome presence. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful even more tonight to walk in here and feel his presence once again. Just a few days later, I'm thankful to know that he doesn't give out. He doesn't tire out. <laughs> we might tire, we might fade a little bit, but God is faithful to meet us every time that we step through these doors, and I'm so, so thankful for that. Thankful to be in the house of God with each and every one of you. Joshua chapter 6 and 1 through 5. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. The Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. The seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. In verse 5, And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man, every man, straight before him. And so just for a few moments tonight, very briefly, I want to talk to you about components of victory. Components of victory. I know that this is most of the time a shouting message when we preach from this. It may not be so tonight. So if you would just bear with me and let's just let the Lord speak. Can we do that together? Would you just lay your Bible down? Can you lift your hands and let's pray. Let's ask God to have his way. Lord, we love you. God, we stand before you humble to a great God that has been so faithful to us. God, we deserve... You deserve nothing less than our faithfulness to you. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, God, to have your way in this house tonight. Let your word be spoken to every heart, to every mind. God, help me to speak it 
in the name of Jesus. And we will be careful, God, to give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said amen. Maybe seated. In a general sense, great armies of the world have conquered territories and they've conquered people through force, using tactics devised by man and weapons formed by man. Battles have been fought and won through strategic advantage, espionage, and sometimes even sheer number and overload. Man's kind, mankind's history is is replete with conflicts and wars, so much so that a few cultures had adopted themselves to the daily travails of warfare. However, there are also rare cases when military victories were achieved against overwhelming odds without the implication of grand strategies or stately drills. In essence, many of such singular battles were worn One, due to tactical brilliance of the commander or deft use of topography or sheer courage and determination of the troops involved. So I'll just cut to the chase tonight. We, too, are in a battle. We are in the midst of an eternal war. Some may be even so bold as to say that the odds are stacked against us But they don't understand that we don't walk after the flesh. Even though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. They're casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, we are one such culture that find ourselves in this battle on a daily basis. Whether we realize it or not, we've fought it all day long today. we fought it all week, and we will continue to be in the midst of it until the Lord returns. We don't find ourselves fighting against flesh and blood enemies, rather spiritual wickedness in high places and principalities and rulers of darkness and realms not seen with the natural eye or heard with the ear. But the odds today are not stacked against us. And no matter what the enemy says and no matter what the enemy does, this battle belongs to God and he will win. We serve a God who is all-knowing and he is all-powerful. He knows the end from the beginning, and he will not fail. And what's even better is that he is on our side. And so here we find Israel on the promised land side of the Jordan River. The Red Sea has been parted and is now behind them. Forty years of wandering in their past, the miraculous crossing of the Jordan complete. They find themselves in a very hopeful situation, yet at the same time they are presented with a very daunting task, to say the least. God has given Joshua very strict and precise instructions. But not only has he given him strict and precise instructions, he has guaranteed him victory 
if they are carried out. Now, I've already mentioned, I know that this is for the most part something that we shout about. And we like to cut to the chase. We like to get to the shout. And I'm not trying to take any significance away from that tonight. But just for a few moments, I just want to focus our attention on not so much the shout, but what led up to the shout. Joshua 6, 4 and 5, we've already read it. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up, every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. In verse 7, And he said unto the people, the people, pass on and compass the city. And let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And so for just a few moments, I want to talk to you about the components of victory. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you up front. The components of victory are faith, obedience, commitment, and unity. Faith, Obedience, commitment, and unity. God tells all of this to Joshua in the beginning that he has already given them the city. First and foremost, this is a marvel idea, but Joshua believes God. He exhibits faith in God's word, and then he assembles the people. He presents this to him. And he believes it. He has faith in his word. If we are going to accomplish anything for God in the 21st century, first things first, we cannot do it without faith in his word. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now God's power and God's ability, hear me, is not necessarily relegated to our faith in him. But our faith can hinder or facilitate the miraculous. God can and he will accomplish what he chooses. But he chooses to accomplish it through frail humanity. And for us to be in the mind and in the will of God, we must have faith in him. You see, we have not seen the end yet, but it has already been promised. We must have faith in his ability and not our own ability. And it must be, hear me, unwavering faith. Unwavering faith in his word, trusting that he can and that he will do what he said he will do. And we must take this and put it into obedience. Consciously, we know that God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. But even with that knowledge, 
in the forefront of our minds. Many times, it's hard for us to understand what is actually going on. It may not always make sense to us, but God has a plan. He has a plan for every individual life, and he has collective plans for us as a church. I believe that. I believe that he has plans for this movement. I know this because he said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. You see, his intention is to give us ultimate and precise victory. His intention is to give us the kingdom. But we will not get there by accident We will not get there by some vague or broad way. No, there is a precise plan. There is a precise plan of salvation. And it cannot be watered down and it cannot be diluted. There is a precise and perfect will of God for everyone under the sound of my voice. And we have strict orders from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have a mandate from the throne room of heaven. And here it is. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, not names, in the name. He only said name one time. He didn't say in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost. My Bible says in the name of the Father. He said it once. That applies to all three. There's one name. His name is Jesus. And that's what we baptize in. He said teaching them to observe. That means to do all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Mark 16, he said, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That sounds a whole lot like what we just read. I know the words are different, but he he said you shall, and you shall, and you shall, and it shall, and it shall, and it shall. He said lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said do this and this will happen. You know, it's not just suggestions and it's not just Requests. In fact, they're none of the sort. They, they were commanded. He, he commanded them that commanded us. They were commands, not only just blank commands to follow blindly, but they were followed up with faithful promises. Brother Rayleigh alluded to this on Sunday, but I think it bears repeating. God is not in the business of giving his people instructions and not giving them the means to carry it out. He expects us to do this, but not blindly. He's given us something that we can count on. He's given us faithful promises. He's promised to be with us, and he's promised us power. 
But hear me tonight. And I'm in this too. It's not enough just to know this. It's not enough just to have knowledge of this. No, no, no. We've got to believe it. And then we've got to put it into action. We've got to believe it. We've got to have faith. We've got to be obedient to it. And then here we go. we got to be committed. Faith without obedience is unfruitful. And obedience that is not followed with commitment will soon die. Let me say that again. Faith all by itself without obedience is unfruitful. And obedience that is not followed with commitment will soon fade or die. I'm telling you tonight, I'm telling me tonight, it's time to be more committed to this than we ever have been before. It's time to believe what we have is right more than we ever have. It's time to hold fast to our faith in Jesus Christ more than we ever have. You know, it seems as if the world is at an all-time high of civil and social unrest and in the church, and I'm not talking about just here or here as in general, but in the whole church world, it seems as if they are at an all-time high of rest and relaxation, as if nothing is wrong and as if nothing is going on. But with all that is going on in the world, it's certainly not time to sit back and rest upon our laurels. It's not time to be neutral because God is not neutral in all of this. It's not time for us to just sit back and wait for the rapture. It's time to get out and put this into action. It's not time to settle back on past accomplishments. It's just time. I don't know if you went to camp meeting or not, but Brother Mike Williams preached one of the most powerful messages. It's time. It's just time. It's time for the miraculous. It's time for people to get the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about just right here, but I'm talking about on our job. It's time for people to pray through the Holy Ghost at Cracker Barrel. It's time for for God to move. It's just time. Our general superintendent preached. It's time to preach. It's time to be apostolic. It's time to give our all. It's not time to be intimidated by the walls. It's time for the church to arise. It's not time to question your worth or your validity in the kingdom or the validity of the world or the word. It's just time. It's time to stand, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. It's time for every individual to rise up and take what God has already given you. It's time to rise up and do what God has already called you to do, to get in the ranks and to get committed, fully committed I read a blurb the other day. It caught my eye and just summed up a whole lot of questions that I had, I think, about the world and the mindset. A journalist confessed recently to a 
daily publication, she said, quote, I get rid of dogs as soon as they stop being cute puppies. Indeed, she's given away four dogs in four years. She writes, in the early stages, I'm head over heels. I attend all the puppy classes. I don't even begrudge picking up behind them. There's nothing I wouldn't do for them. The moment that things get complicated, I don't covet a dog-free existence like another sane person might. Instead, I start wondering if there's another more suitable dog out there. Maybe one that's less bouncy, less barky, less inclined to molt everywhere. And so the new search begins. And I can't rest until I've found a replacement puppy to lie adoringly at my feet. And so I think that that just sums up the whole world that we live in. We're always looking for something new. But we can't be so arrogant to think that that kind of thinking can't be in our flesh as well. As human beings, we tend to gravitate toward feeling. And then we trust in that. We want to do things that feel good to us. But living for God does not feel good all the time. It does. It is a good life, Sister Donna, living for the Lord. But it doesn't always feel good carrying out this life in a falling, a fallen world. Sometimes we can get addicted to the good feeling. And then we tend to discard something when the real work begins. We can come to church We can feel something and then we think we've somehow accomplished something in God. But the real work begins on the other side of that feeling. It's just time to be mature. It's time to grow up into maturity and work for God while it's still day. Because the night is coming. It is coming faster than we can ever imagine. And there will be no time for work. For this church to be what it's meant to be. For this movement to go beyond what men think it should be and what God intends for it to be. For the kingdom to be advanced, we are going to have to grow up and leave the puppy stage and just grow up into maturity. To get committed through the ups and the downs. To get committed through the good times and the hard times. Because I said it before and I'll say it again, the Lord is coming back and all of this will just simply be over. It's time to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I know that it's a struggle, and I know that we get weary, but we have to be steadfast. So we can't accomplish anything for God without faith, without obedience, without commitment, And finally, unity. I know this sounds so, so elementary, but I know that God is just reminding us over and over and over again, this is what I've called you to do. This is what you must do. We the ones that tend to drift to the left or to the right, but David said, my foot standeth in an even place. We need to find that middle ground in God and do his word, his work. And so we can't do it without unity. I believe this is me. I believe that in part this is what God was doing with Israel. I believe that it's a picture, an example to us of 
what must be done to accomplish the seemingly insurmountable task that was set before them. It was an example of what could be accomplished when it was carried out precisely the way God commanded it. And they could not do it, and we will not be able to do it without absolute and total commitment. And hear this, 100% cooperation. I believe that this is one of the reasons that God had Israel march around that city. It was to get them together, to get them in step, to get them in sync, in unity. You know, when I was in the military, I spent some time in the Army National Guard. Many of you know this. When I was in basic training during the first few weeks of basic training, all we did was march. We marched everywhere. We marched everywhere we went. We marched to the PX. We marched to the chow hall. We marched to the bathroom. Never alone. Always together. Always in cadence. That wasn't enough when we weren't marching to a place. We were practicing marching to a place. Just in an empty parking lot. I don't know about any other branch of the military, but the Army is all about marching. Seems as if that's all they care about in basic training anyway. So we spent weeks going over left face, right face, about face, forward march, close rank march, open rank march. Always a drill sergeant calling cadence. And even after 18 years, I could still call cadence. And I could still march. I can about face just about as good as I could about face when I was 17 years old. <laughs> I still remember all of it. Sometimes I close my eyes, I can even hear the cadence and the canter of it because it was repetitive. And it was literally drilled into me. I guess that's why they call them drill sergeants. They drill it into you. Whether you like it, or not, but many of us wondered, what does all of this have to do with battle? Seemed to be nothing but show to me. I already had the uniform. They issued that to me the first day. <laughs> I already had my weapon. I grew up in the country. I know how to shoot. What's all this marching got to do with battle? There was a reason for it. It was building something in us. It was creating a unit of men that were in a cohesive unit. Everyone then understood their role. It taught us to watch the man in front of us, the man to the left, the man to the right, to keep in step, right, left, right, left. We listened to the cadence. Kept us together, 
and it built unity in us. And so if I could just say it like this tonight, no group of people has ever accomplished anything without being together. One heart, one mind, one accord for one purpose. This kind facilitated the miraculous for the children of Israel and it will be no less than what facilitates the miraculous for us in this final hour. It will take togetherness. Acts 2, the early church was together and had all things common and they turned their world upside down. Ephesians 4, Paul admonishes us and instructs us to endeavor to keep unity of the faith and of the spirit. He cites that God has given certain roles and certain giftings to lift up and give and give strength to one body. And so we're in this together. We'll only accomplish what God has instructed us to accomplish together. We will only possess what God desires to give us if we do it in complete unity and harmony of the Spirit. When the Lord parted the Red Sea, he told Moses to stretch forth his staff and Israel passed. When Israel went through the Jordan, the priest entered the water and they passed over. But when it came time to conquer the walls, the defensed city, everyone had a part. One commentary says, in what order the people marched around the city does not exactly appear from the text. Some think they observed the same orders in the ordinary marches in the desert. Others think that the soldiers marked first, then the priest who blew the trumpets, then those who carried the ark, and lastly, the people. But what is so significant to me is that all of them marched and all of them compassed the city and all of them shouted. Every man, every woman, every child, all had a part and all had a purpose. One cohesive unit with one voice. This is God's plan for us. I know it's his plan for us as Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I know it's his plan for us for as apostolic people in this world. But the only way that we're going to do what he has called us to do is for each generation to take hold of the one before them and the one behind them and unite for the victory. It's the only way. If our musicians will come. God could have given Israel instant victory. Instead, he chose them to have them do some things first. But they did not march arbitrarily, and they did not march for no good reason. It was all in the divine plan of God. And so if I could say it to like where we are tonight, whatever you do, keep marching. Whatever you do in the kingdom, 
Just keep marching. It's not in vain. Keep living holy. It's not for nothing. Keep witnessing because it is not unfruitful. Keep worshiping because it is not futile. Keep sowing into the kingdom because you will reap what God has intended for you to reap. Acts 2.38 is not antiquated. Holiness living is not out of style. Integrity really does matter and truth will always prevail. Now it would be in my own mind a safe assumption to say that perhaps not everyone in that number understood exactly the order of the Lord. I say it like that. What I mean is they didn't understand possibly why. But they had faith in it. They may have had questions like how, how is this going to work? Maybe there were some that got up on that second morning and said just within themselves, I'm weary. I don't feel like marching today. I don't feel like going around this city one more time. But they were obedient. They were committed. And they marched. So in the morning when we wake up, we may be weary. But march right into that prayer room. Get down on your knees and pray to the God of all the universe. Maybe some would look up at the walls as they marched around and just think to themselves, there's no way that we're ever going to accomplish this. It's just too much for us. But they kept marching. They were obedient because they knew the promise had already been given. The stake of claim had already been assigned. And so I say what I'm about to say with with great, great deference. And I tread very, very lightly. But I say what I'm about to say with great confidence there are promises that have been made here long before we ever got here there were people that were standing in that number that were fulfilling a promise that had been made long before they ever stepped on the scene. They weren't there when God told Abraham, look, as far as you can, I'll make of thee a great nation. Can't be numbered. They weren't standing there when that bush was burning. There were men and women that were standing there fulfilling prophetic promises long before they were ever there. 
I believe that there is a prophetic word that is waiting to be fulfilled right now. So I say to you, why not now? And why not us? But for it to happen, it will take nothing less than every soul in action. Every man, every woman, every child with faith in God and obedience to His Word and what He has called you to do. I believe in my heart that God has already given us this city. Write me off as crazy, but I believe that we can have what God wants us to have. And the reason I say that is because I don't believe that we would be standing here right now if he didn't. But it's up to me, it's up to you to take hold of that promise. Many have fallen away and many have died in the faith. But I tell you tonight, just keep marching, keep teaching, keep speaking, and keep witnessing. God has already given us the city. And when we get in absolute unity, we will shout the walls of the enemy down and take it for the glory of God. So I end with this, if you'll stand with me. If God has given you the ability to speak, speak with clarity. If God has called you to preach, preach the gospel with every ounce of your being. If God has given you the ability to reach, reach this lost and dying world with everything that you have. Because obedience to His mandate will only result in absolute victory when we do it with everything within us to do it. I want us right now, I want us right now to lift our hands and our voices to heaven. God can call a man tonight. I know it's Wednesday night, but God can call a lady tonight to his service. God can speak to you if you'll let him do it right now. He's calling us to commitment. He's calling us to obedience. He's calling us to have faith in His Word. And He's calling us to do it with absolute unity. Come on, church, lift your voice to heaven right now and ask the presence of the Lord in this place to touch your mind and touch your heart. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.